Hey everyone, welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It reads, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as examples, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not the participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to go and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. As we continue our walk through what we're looking at here in 1 Corinthians, as Paul is addressing the same topic we've been seeing him address is how we relate to others and what they're doing. He brings in this concept that the examples in Scripture are there for us to learn by. I think that it's really important for us to focus in on this today. Verse 11 centers us in on this fact. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. 
When we think about what he's trying to say here, he talks about the instructional method of what has been recorded in the scriptures. We have examples, good and bad, in the scriptures that allow us to see how God relates to other people, how he worked in and through their lives, and how he will continue to work in and through our lives for his kingdom and glory purposes. And so as he focuses here on the Old Testament, specifically the generation of Moses and how they lived, he talks about many of their downfalls many of their shortcomings, many of the things that take place, and it gives us a lens to view the scriptures through. As we watch them, as we see them interact with God, and we see how they relate to God, we see how we are to relate in their stead, how we understand that their failures were an opportunity for us to learn from that and to learn and to grow from that. Specifically here, he says that they were an example about the lack of ability to respond to temptation. When he focuses in on this temptation, he wants us to understand that they also probably felt like that they were able to withstand the temptation in their life, but their example shows us that they were not able to do that. Verse 12 and 13 talk about that. And therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So as he calls these people to endure the temptation and to overcome it, he wants to display the fact that the wilderness generation had all that they needed to do that. When we think about our temptation today, we understand that we are being tempted the same way that many around us are being tempted. The temptations that you experience in your life are not really probably unique to you, but are those that are shared by others. And so the call here is to pay attention, to not be caught off guard. And to look for that way of escape that God is going to provide. A big part of that for us can be the community of believers. When we're sharing our temptations, our struggles in accountability groups, and hopefully you, as you're listening to this, as one of our ASM students, would have that accountability group built into the small groups that we have. When you're sharing with those people the ways in which you're being tempted to sin, the ways in which you're struggling, you're giving them an opportunity to help support and encourage and build you up. And you're placing yourself in a position where you're not being asked to stand alone, but instead are being brought together with those around you. You're not being told, hey, you must withstand this temptation without any assistance, but you hopefully understand that you have the grace of God in your life, the spirit of God active working in and through you, the prayers that you've lifted up on those things, as well as the community around you doing those same things, supporting you with God's word, helping you to understand the way in which they're praying for your good and for God's glory and for his will to be done in your life. And so as we look at these situations we see in scripture, sometimes we might say, hey, there's no way that I would be doing the same thing that they're doing. Paul here is telling us that, hey, it's the same temptation that they have that we're going to have. The temptation to lift something up above what God's call is in our life. That temptation of idolatry, the temptation of allowing our own desires to be raised up above God's desires. And then he circles back around to focus on this concept of the food offered to idols again in this position and saying, hey, you are in a situation where you can continue to struggle through what's going 
going on there. But there's a simple way of escape. There's a simple way of answering and a simple response that can be what is there. And he lays that out specifically for that situation. But my question for you is, what does that look like in terms of your way of escape from your temptations? What have you built into your life to allow you to resist temptation, to overcome those things? What are guards and safeguards and things that you've built into your life? Who are the people that know what's going on in your life, that you're speaking to about the realities of temptation, the realities of the suffering and the different things that are going on in your life that are trying your faith and that are pulling you away from God and towards the world? What do those things look like for you? I seek for you to answer that today as you work through these different situations. Another really important part of this passage that I want to make sure that we also understand here is uh, the way he wraps it up. And so this statement of, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. And so you might read through this and say, hey, Paul is really just a glorified people pleaser. He's just trying to make everybody happy. That's not really what he's saying. He's saying that everything that he does, he's doing for God's glory, not for his own personal interests, so that God is able to use that for the extension of his kingdom. If he's just trying to please the people around him and their own things, that would probably honestly be leading him into sin because the people around him, especially these people that he's interacting with here in Corinth, are people who are struggling with sin. And the people who are struggling with sin, the hard thing to do is to stop sinning and to pull yourself out of that lifestyle. The easy thing to do is to continue to sin and give into it more. And so if he really just cared about pleasing people, he wouldn't be willing to confront. He wouldn't be willing to work with them through those things. And so that could be something that's commonly misunderstood about what's happening. Can you really do everything for the purpose of the glory of God? Well, if it's done in the mindset that what Paul is saying, yes. If you're saying, hey, is my sin there for the glory of God? That's something else. That's a different thing to talk about. It's not truly every action that you're doing is bringing God glory because when you're sinning, it's actually bringing God pain. It's bringing him into a position where he must judge that sin that's in your life. And as you work through this thought of everything that you're doing being something that gives glory to God, it's only when it's done in the spirit of the work of Christ, when it's done because of the sacrifice on the cross and what he's done, allowing us to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for those around us, to be an example of sacrificial love, to be an example of the gospel on display in our lives. When we can say that that is the case, then everything that we do is an example and an opportunity to push people to the glory of God. So as you walk through this chapter today, as you hopefully dwell on the people that are in your life, living in community with you, that are helping you to find victory over sin, that are helping you to keep your focus on God, to not succumb to temptations and to not be worshiping other things. I pray that you would find opportunities to encourage them, build them up in their faith, for them to do the same for you. And as you do that today, know you are loved. You're-